Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello and happy Tuesday. Welcome to another show. I'm Shira. And I am Ryan. This is Let's Go There. We're here for you weekdays on Channel Q2, the 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We got the music here on Channel Q, but we're also catching you up on the news of the day and so much more. I mean, yeah, I guess we're doing all those things, but I have an announcement. Okay. I have an announcement. What is it? Okay. Are you ready? I Well, I did not know this, by the way. This was not prepared. I was not prepared, but guess what? What? I haven't died. Congratulations. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, I got my vaccine yesterday. First shot down. Uh, second shot coming next month. And um, I still don't have any soreness, really. Good for you. Were I, you feeling bad last night? Okay, so I did have a headache towards the end of our show. I thought it was a side effect situation, but then I realized I hadn't eaten in like hours. Yeah, that could be and it. So that was really what it was. Um, and I had my mom freaking out a little bit, thinking like I was actually kind of like convulsing in my oh. living room. She was really nervous. But I was like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I feel great. Um, and I'm just happy I got the first shot. I'm really happy. You're like, it, mom, I'm just stoned. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> Yes, yeah, so if you got your shot, actually, I would love to know if there are some listeners who have gotten their vaccine already, please hit us up at LGT Show. Let me know what some side effects. I took Moderna. I'm a Moderna girl. You know, very easy, breezy, beautiful Moderna girl. And I would love to know if you're already experiencing some things, what should I look out for? But in the meantime, please just don't tell me I'm going to die. I mean, we'll see next time, the next shot. That'll be the last test. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That's very true. Sorry I hijacked your beginning. No, you... but this was important. It was important. It was a, it I wanna... was a very important announcement. I'm trying to give step-by-step moments because some people don't know anybody in their life who have gotten the vaccine. I may be their only connection to be getting all the real details about how you actually feel about the vaccine. You should sell this information. No, I'm not going to sell it. I'm giving it to the free. <laughs> I'm giving it for free.com for the free on this 
airways just because our listeners are amazing. You're such a good person. Thank you. Coming up on the show, uh, speaking of the vaccine, the concerns around the AstraZeneca vaccine that have come out. Yeah, there's a lot happening. I don't really understand what's going on, and we just talked about it because they were shipping, they were planning on shipping those to other countries. And so... Well, yeah. That's at uh, 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but let's get into what's trending this hour because I, I got to play this clip from President Biden who spoke out about the shooting in Boulder, Colorado today. Less than a week after the horrific murders of eight people and the assault on the AAPI community in Georgia, while the flag was still flying half-staff for the tragedy and other American cities been scarred by gun violence and resulting trauma, And the state that I even hate to say it because we're saying it so often, my heart goes out. Our hearts go out for the survivors who had to uh, had to flee for their lives and who hid, terrified, unsure if they would ever see their families again, their friends again. The consequences of all this are deeper than I suspect we know. By that, I mean the mental consequences, the feeling of anyway, it just and through too many of these. Yeah, get it together and change the policy. Not that difficult. Try something different. Well, it is kind of difficult what when you is, have Republicans meaning, like Ted yes, Cruz saying it's theater. Democrats are, every time a mass shooting happens, they, they go to this political theater is what he said. Ridiculous. Well, the Boulder Police Department named the 10 victims killed in the shooting at the King Superstore in Boulder. And officials also named a suspect currently in the hospital who will be charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. The suspect's motive is still unclear, according to authorities. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Prince Harry, honey, guess what? Prince Harry is a working man now. Can y'all believe it? He got a J-O-B. What is he up to? Okay, so... It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Prince Harry has taken on a new job as an executive of a Silicon Valley startup. I mean, he'll fit in. He's white. Um, The recently outspoken royal became the chief impact officer of Better Up Incorporated, an online coaching and mental health firm. He took my job. I could have been the chief impact officer. I don't even know what that means. Like, what are those lists of words mean? It's a cool title. Like, seriously. And I... Here's the thing. I'm nosy, and I was wondering, are y'all wondering how much he's making like me? Yeah. Because I want to know. Well, the company valued at $1.73 billion Mm. refused to reveal the prince's compensation package, but they already have him listed online as part of its leadership team, hailing him as a humanitarian, military vet, mental wellness advocate, and environmentalist. And, like, the CEO was just like, I'm not telling y'all what his package looks like, Um, even though I would like to know what his package looks like. Uh, (laughs) 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 But they're not, um, they're not letting us know. I, obviously, if we were to guess, what do you think? Oh, I think that he probably has equity in the company. Okay. And look at Shira going on Wall Street there Journal. You go. I think he's probably making uh, 250K a year. That's it? Yeah, I think, and with like equity. So if they sell for over a billion, he yeah. can make 
probably more than that. 100 million or something. Interesting. I do think this is on brand. If you're wondering, like, how did he even get caught up in this? Well, he is a mental maybe, health. Maybe even half, like, like 500K, actually. He uh, could be making half money. All right, Sharon. Stop being Susie Orman. You're like <laughs> all into the finances. I, I do think this is on brand for him. He has most yeah. definitely been a mental uh, health, like, wellness advocate. advocate. Yeah. And so um, I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen. But later in the show for the T report, him and his wife, Meghan Markle, were caught lying about something. And you just have to stick around and find out what they was lying about because it came from the Oprah Winfrey interview. And now the truth is out. So what were they lying about? Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Now that they live here, we just can't stop talking about them. I know. I mean, honestly, it's like they are the United States Royals. Yeah. We need some new Kardashians. We can't talk about the Kardashians anymore. I would rather to have new Kardashians. Uh, Well, coming up next on the show, where the senators landed today as the debate around gun reform continues. Uh, That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Over 41,000 people were killed in 2020 by gun violence, and it's a record experts say was driven by the uh, public health, economic, and social fallout from the pandemic. And senators continued the gun control debate today after everything that's happened over the past week, agreeing that there needs to be prevention, but still disagreeing on how to get there while everyone's uh, losing their lives, right? And we're all living in fear. Uh, Doug Parisi joins us right now, the director of training at safedefend.com. Thanks for being here. Certainly. Thank you for having me. So you are a police captain with over uh, 20 years of service, and you have personal experience with active shooter situations. Uh, When you see moments like this happen, what goes on in your mind in terms of how it's being handled on the ground floor there? Well, I I think the biggest issue that we're dealing with is probably um, a failure to address the mental health crisis that the country is going through on a lot of levels. Um, one of the things you were talking about, what's going on in the Senate floor, and they keep talking about passing all these laws, but they're not funding things like making sure that, um, you know, when we look at the Sutherland, Texas shooting, Parkland, when we look at what happened in Atlanta, or even just unfortunate Boulder, these are people that are known by their family members, but sometimes government entities, that they have mental health crises, that they're, that they're um, something's going on with them, but we're not putting those into the system so that when they do apply for a gun or something like that, that um, they're prohibited from buying the gun. And that's where we need really more finance, you know, funding. And then the other thing, too, is I think there needs to be some liability protection against the people that might report somebody just because they're concerned about their behavior. Um, They should not be subject to some sort of lawsuit by that victim because it then put them into a process where they had to appeal the denial of a weapon. Yeah, and you work for a company called Safe Defend, and obviously they work on making schools and workplaces safer just in case something like this happens. Is is this going to be something that we start to see in a lot of businesses moving forward? Because now it feels like you, you can't even walk outside without something happening. So how should we be more prepared just in case, unfortunately, it feels like if the government's not going to do anything, we kind of have to take care of ourselves? Well, it's always kind of been that way. Unfortunately, the law enforcement is not ubiquitous. They can't be everywhere. So there always is that gap between when something starts and calling them there. The biggest thing that we talk to employers about, and we can see that and let's say what happened at the uh, shooting in Boulder, was that there was several people, there were plenty of people that called 911. What we need to make sure is happening is that people in that building know what's going on and, and to seek cover shelter. So almost anybody has a phone that they can call 911, but not everybody can get on that intercom system. So we instruct companies and employers to say, hey, you need to tell your people if they have the ability and they can do it safely to get on the intercom and announce there's an active shooter at the front of the store, everybody exit out of the back and seek cover or shelter. That's the type of thing that saves lives when we know that something's happening. 
this was a very there's a lot of incidents that happen outside and people on the inside know what's going on but there's not enough time um for them to realize what's going on but if someone got on the pa system and said run out the back um people will follow that instruction wow and uh you mentioned of course mental health which is very key here to focus on but let's talk about ar-15s like you know, when I see all these happening with AR-15s, you would think that someone would say, well, take that out of the hands of someone because it creates mass murder. Uh, and of course, Democrats uh, today talked about expanding background checks and banning the assault rifles. Republicans said uh, they would prevent criminals from gaining access to firearms as the solution. But isn't preventing people from gaining access the same as the background checks? Like, aren't we just going in circles right now? Well, I, I, we have a very extensive background check system in this country. There's, it's kind of a misnomer that a lot of people are buying guns outside of background checks. Um, so what I, what I think is happening is because people slip through the cracks, we look at it and say somehow the law must not be um, strong enough. And that's like saying that um, the speeding laws aren't there enough, so let's lower the speed limit because people are doing too much speeding. And it's not that um, we have a problem with the law. It's that we have a problem with enforcement and sort of compliance with the law. Um, for people that are required to notify them. And that's where we need to make sure we up our game and start devoting resources to that so that we can catch those people that shouldn't be ha- shouldn't have one of these weapons, bef- as opposed to depriving the vast majority of law-abiding citizens from the access to a weapon like this. We can get into the arguments of whether or not this type of weapon should be used, but that's not something I think we really have the time nor the inclination to deal with at this point. Yeah. What we have to deal with is the mental health. I agree. I, I guess I would kind of push back a little bit in in, in a way or challenge that because I, I think about Kyle Rittenhouse, who was able to purchase a, or get a gun for someone who purchased it and take it over you know, uh, state lines. And so there is this ability where that is happening, where people are getting these illegal guns are not even going through the proper channels to get a gun and then you know causing havoc so it does feel like there needs to be something that happened at this point because i mean this is the seventh mass shooting in seven days um in this country and so it's just like what do we do at this point you know it's just and, and also internationally is that there's other countries doing this in a different way and seems like properly so yeah. wouldn't we look at what they're doing as an example yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you're trying to say there, and I think it's seven in in the year, and you're right. Um, there was a very interesting article, or sorry, study back in 2015 out of Arkansas State University, sorry, Arizona State University, where they talk about how these are contagious. And that's the thing that we need to, to worry about, is that when one of these happens, we need to kind of up our game. And it was very unfortunate that family members who know this person was in mental health crisis in Boulder, uh, or I think it was Arveda was where he's from, but they saw him with this gun and nobody thought to say, hey, he really shouldn't have this. And yeah. that's the type of stuff that needs to step up is that they knew he wasn't in the fit to, to hold a weapon like this and he had just purchased it, um, from what I understand. And and that's where I'm just saying is that we need to sort of pull that in before we start doing try to do what Australia does where they say everybody turned their gun in and maybe half the people did. And those are the things that are, aren't necessarily... Um, a good solution because the government can't sit there and take these weapons off of people's hands without compensating them for it. So if all of a yeah, sudden, a where are we going to come up with the money to yeah. buy back every one of these guns across well, the country? Yeah, yeah overnight, it. I don't think that's going to happen. But yes, Doug Parisi uh, is the director of training at safedefend.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Certainly. It was a pleasure being on the show. Yeah, you're great. Coming up on Let's Go There, what to do if you feel traumatized by the latest mass shooting? We are here for you, and we have clinical psychologist Dr. Josh Claypo joining us for that next. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
Now, with these two shootings happening in the past week, it's definitely brought up a ton of trauma and triggers. Dr. Josh Klapo is back with us. He's a clinical psychologist. Uh, it's unfortunate to have you here again talking about literally almost the same thing. It's like part two from last week. Yes, it is. <laughs> but we need to talk about it. It's much better if we do than if we don't. I mean, I'm over it, though. Like, I think maybe tons of other people are over it as well, but it just feels like it's now repetitive and there's not much that we can do because our government's not really doing anything about it. So talk to those people who are feeling the frustration more so than the grief and the anxiety, but the frustration that they're feeling like, why am I so pissed right now? Yeah, no, I that's, that's great. I mean, you can feel, you can feel whatever you want to feel. You can feel that you're just so over it, um, which is a normal response because it's something that we feel that we can't control. That, that being said, Ryan, it, that works for all of us who this doesn't affect directly. So it's much easier to say, I'm over it, you know, I, there's nothing we can do until it's your family member, your friend, mm -hmm. somebody you know, and then it, then it changes dramatically just because the proximity of the emotional connection changes. Well, I think it's, it's not even just me saying, like, I'm over it as I'm tired of talking about it. I'm over the fact that we keep asking for change and there is no change. There, there keeps being these like these shootings. And I think the anger of it all, people, even if they people lost family members and people close to them, I, I'm pretty sure that's the first emotion you're it's probably like feeling. It's like raw disassociation of, like, yeah. when, when something has hit a, a point where you just keep hearing about something and being uh, triggered and traumatized that you stop feeling. So, and, and it's hard to lump those two. It really is because the, the frustration that Ryan's talking about and the anger, and I agree, um, you, it, particularly if, it, if it, it's hit your family, that frustration and anger about nothing's changing or nothing seems to be changing. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it, it's outrage because we keep seeing people being killed and nothing seems to be changing dramatically. The triggering and the numbness um, because of traumatic experience, even if it didn't directly happen to you, that's more of a defense mecha mechanism directly related to the, the traumatic event. I mean, it's easier, if you will, to not feel uh, yeah. than it is to feel. It's also, though, easier. Let me say this. It's also easier to translate that emotion into anger. Um, it's an, anger is an easier feeling than fear um, then helplessness, that, that sort of thing. But we're really, y'all, we're really going down two related but but different kinds of paths. So right I find it interesting because there is a lot of sadness and anger and numbness. But how do you feel anger without putting it out on the people around you? And I, I feel, I mean, I I'm the first person to tell you I'll av avoid anger because I feel like it's not going to put me in a good place, and then I can't function, I can't do my work, I can't be good to myself or others. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you got a few places, you got a few ways to, to diffuse it. I mean, you know, one is to, to write it out, to, um, write it down in a journal. Another is to go just get energy. Anger's got energy to it. So, mm. I mean, I'm a big proponent. I hate, I know this sounds like a lifestyle kind of thing, but when you're angry and just wound up running, exercising, something to just dissipate that, in, yeah. uh, that energy. The other is, and this is the hard one because it gets back to Ryan's um, point, 
trying to affect change, even at a micro level, trying to do something, even if it's to support a cause, even if it's to support legislation. So the, the worst thing that you can do with anger is to do nothing with it because um, it takes a long time to subside. Uh, that being, all of that being said, there is going to be a lot of anger, irritation, and frustration because this is, if I remember correctly, this is the seventh mass shooting in a week. I think as we wrap this up, uh, Dr. Josh, I, I, what more can you give advice to tell people right now in this moment who are feeling the trauma of, around just either seeing this, feeling it, being a part of this? What can you kind yeah. of end this segment with? There is no shame and no guilt in disconnecting temporarily. What I mean by that is if this is overwhelming for you, you don't have to stay engaged constantly out of a feeling of obligation. Your body needs to reset. Your mind needs to reset. It's okay to step back, to not pay attention to this for a short period of time. A lot of people feel guilty about that. And I can promise you that it's healthier if you're feeling overwhelmed to disengage, to talk to somebody, to, to not stay on top of it until you feel like you're in a better place. And, and that guilt um, is, is okay, but don't let it rule your life. Yeah, definitely. Well, great advice. Dr. Josh Claypo. it's great to have you on again. Appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Coming up on the show, the British royal family will reportedly complete diversity training. What that could look like next. We can't stop talking about Prince Harry and Meghan, but uh, some new information coming out from the British royal family, and it involves diversity training. <laughs> Does that sound intriguing to you, Ryan? No. So, of course, we all know about the couple sit-down interview with Oprah Winfrey, where they talked about the racism coming from the royal family, which isn't surprising, right? Uh, so now Buckingham Palace has called the issue of racism within the firm particularly concerning and said the allegations would be taken very seriously and addressed by the family privately. Uh, Prince William is still not talking to his brother, supposedly, but yeah, he told the he press... Yeah, because he was the one that asked about You think the he's skin? the guy? Yeah, I most that, definitely think he's the guy. That basically said that Archie was worried about Archie's skin color. Yep, I most definitely think it was him. And so, that's why he's balding. He, he told the press, that's what he gets, uh, that the royals were very much not a racist family, and the institution realizes it needs a rehabilitation plan, and the queen is actually planning to appoint a diversity czar to help modernize the monarchy. That's a According to the Daily Mail. And they already have this review of diversity policies underway across royal households, including at Buckingham Palace, where the Queen lives, Clarence House, where Charles and Camilla live. I can't even keep up with this. Kensington Palace, where William and Kate reside. I always feel like I'm talking about a soap opera when I talk about this, right? It doesn't feel real, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, you're, well, you're most definitely telling us every detail. You know, <laughs> but I, I just find this all, I mean, it's not surprising that they would try to figure stuff out and clean up their act. But yeah. what will that actually mean to have, you know, a diversity SAR? Is that going to be like the, you know, on the checkbox? What else do you have to say? That's it for now. <laughs> just that was no, my pause okay. for you. Okay, cool. I love that. I love that. Thank you for so much for giving me the floor. And I, I, um, my, I, my mouth is getting dry. So I'm taking a sip of water. <laughs> no, seriously. Old people are, they, it's hard to break 
old habits. And racism seems like it's one of those old habits that old people, especially old white folks, will not be able to break. And I just don't think diversity training is going to do anything that's going to shift this. They've already ruined their chance of showing how they would act if a black princess came into there or any person of color chance. came into there. And they've already ruined that. It's not like it's happening anytime soon, to be quite honest. Like, let's be real here. And also... Can I just say this side note? These companies that do like diversity trainings, please don't make the black people go. Or even the people of color go. Like, what's the point? Black people go I, where? What do like you mean? to go to these diversity trainings. Oh. Like, you know how as corporations, I find it so weird to be like, but, uh, yeah, everyone in the corporation about, has to go. Understanding but I'm just like, what I need to learn about <laughs> diversity. I am the diversity. Are you kidding me? Like, I just don't. I never remind really her about who that. you are. I'm like, yeah, I do need to be reminded well, so that there's, the thing, you know, though. microaggressions and all the BS <laughs> happening in my. <laughs> here's the thing, though, Ryan. You could say just because you're, um, you know, a black person or POC, you might not be queer. So you might want to like. That still but that's is... most of the time they're not even talking about that. We're just on the level of talking about race. Like, that's the thing. We haven't even reached the level where we're really deeply looking at like intersectionalities intersectionality, of yeah. queerness or transness or any of these things. So we still have so much more to go. And if I'm, if right now, I'm already saying that uh, the queen, this is going to be the first thing she fails, learning how to not be probably raised. Even though Prince Harry said the the queen is cool. It's like William and uh, Charles and all of them. Like that, the cis white men. Yeah, the first thing, if you want to like be doing diversity training, is acknowledging the fact that you have built it, you know, your whole foundation on racism. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> guess what? Uh, if we look at it, uh, they're like our daddy when it comes to racism, because they built our country. Like, that, it's literally the, it's literally that. If you're looking at history, our whole entire foundation is based off of what they set up. Yep. So, we, we clearly learned from each other we all got to work on it. Needs to happen. Well, let us know, know what you think. At LGBT Show on social media. It's only a press move. Well, this is some good news. The first U.S. city is going to pay reparations for black residents. More details on that next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. Coming up, we're talking about the concerns around the AstraZeneca vaccine data. That's in 15 minutes. Plus, our own Michaela Gordon from The Morning Beat is joining us to talk about this debate around young queer women using the word white. I think this is the first time Michaela's been on the show, is going to be on the show. Really? Yeah, we've been on, well, yeah, we've been both on, on The Morning Beat a lot, and... Um, I don't think she's ever been on our show. So this is going to be a moment. I hope you're Love ready it. for this crossover event. I am. It's going to be pretty nice. Buckle up. Well, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The Chicago suburb of Evanston has a reparation initiative that will distribute $10 million over 10 years for black families affected by racist government policies, housing discrimination, and the lingering effects of slavery between 1919 and 1969. Evanston Mayor Steve Haggerty had this to say. On a eight-to-one vote, the Evanston <laughs> City Council uh, approved adoption of Resolution 37-R-27, authorizing the implementation of the Evanston Local Reparations Restoring Housing Program and Program Budget. Again, this is the first 4% of the 10, of the 10 million uh, it is an important, but a small first step. That's 
pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that's a model for others moving forward. Yeah, that initial funding of $400,000 to a housing program will award eligible households up to $25,000. So, yeah, good moves from Evanston. And uh, second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, the first Jewish spouse to Vice President Kamala Harris, appeared yesterday as a special guest at the virtual National Rainbow Seder to precede Passover. Passover is the Jewish holiday. It's coming up this weekend. By the way, if you're wondering if you need to wish me happy Passover. What? Is this your birthday? No, it's just a, a Jewish holiday. Oh, so it's like Happy New Year. No, it's not our New Year, but it's just a holiday. It's like me saying Happy Easter. Happy what? (laughs) Um, Anyway, Doug spoke about emphasizing the importance of LGBTQ rights with legislation such as the Equality Act and emphasized the need to support trans youth and trans women of color, saying all the right things. We love this. The theme for the Rainbow Seder's 13th annual installment was renewal and resilience, a journey towards liberation. They had HRC President Alfonso David there as well. And... uh, Emoff had to say, I'm grateful for the opportunity to take part in the celebration with Ooh, the LGBTQ what, community. Do you think there was brisket there? I don't know if it was virtual, if they sent that to everyone, or oh. if as people just did their own thing. Because, well, you know, I, you I've, get been, it. I've been to a couple seders because of Shira, and well, they, the brisket. Mm, yeah, the, Ju- the Jewish meals, you're, you're on it. What's the other stuff? There's latkes. Latkes, There's yes. matzo ball soup. Nah, I don't like that. I knew I didn't like that. That was Yeah, not I know. Good. You didn't like I that. I didn't like the texture of it. It felt like it was like, did someone throw this There's back up? There's gefilte fish. Nah, I, didn't, I don't think I tasted that. No, you wouldn't like that either. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, good on him for, you know, celebrating his the holiday for the Jews, but also doing it with a good organization. Yeah, it, it seems like it was for the gay Jews. Yeah. The queer Jews. Exactly. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. So one of the Jonas Brothers is opening up about their addiction struggles. Mm. Um, It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Frankie Jonas. Now, it's not Nick. It's not Kevin. It's not Joe. Frankie is the baby brother. Um, He was the one that was always in the background. If you are a Disney kid and you saw him in that little Disney show that they had. like he was, was he on the tambourine or something? Like he was the one, you know, he was, she's just like. He would be. He wasn't in the band. <laughs> really but doing anything. In some moments, he would show up and be like in the in the the band, like playing the little tambourine or something. But he's like the youngest one. He's only twenty. Aww. Yeah, he's cute. He's um, sweet. But yeah, he's really candidly revealing that he contemplated suicide mm. while battling drug and alcohol addictions. Um, the younger brother said in a TikTok video that his mental health and addiction struggles hit a low point nearly two years ago. I thought it was important to kind of play this um, because he's really expressing himself on this platform with all these young kids. And I think it's really important to talk about mental health. So let's play it. This is by no means the eloquent explanation I hope to one day give on a much more serious mode than this. However, from a very young age, I struggled with drinking and drugging as an escape because I hated life and I didn't want to be here. And I eventually, after many years of trying to kill myself accidentally, came to a point where I was going to do it for real. Something intervened, and my life was saved for the fact that I'm alive today because my world has changed so beautifully and so astronomically, and I'm not that person anymore. Hmm. I mean, 
one powerful words to yeah. be uttering on, on in such a vulnerable way and you would you just never know like yeah he his brothers were famous but he really wasn't famous but he was still going through so much growing up and and, and going through these moments and 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 the fact that he's in such a great place also by the way he is not a kid anymore did y'all literally oh, felt like it was thunder rumbling oh yeah he has a good voice but yeah it must be hard having your brothers being so famous yeah i mean that's a whole other thing and, uh, you know, trying to uh, live up to that or, you know, be part of that family. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really proud of him. And I, I can't wait to, for him to really talk more about his, uh, what was just kind of going on and his experience and his journey. And, um, yeah, that's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour, darling. Uh, well, next up on the show, a trial review board is raising concerns about the AstraZeneca vaccine data. What that actually means after this. Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases said the independent board that reviews data from lots of COVID-19 vaccine candidates, they've raised concerns about AstraZeneca's announcement of efficacy data from its vaccine trial. So what went down is that on Monday, AstraZeneca had issued this press release saying its COVID-19 vaccine showed 79% of efficacy against symptomatic disease and 100% efficacy against severe disease and hospitalization. Uh, so what happened? What should we be concerned about? Back with us is Dr. Amesh Adalja, who's an infectious diseases uh, doctor working on pandemic policy, emerging infections, preventing bioterror. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So what exactly happened here? It's really just an unfortunate event, and it's just another kind of black mark that goes against the AstraZeneca vaccine, and it's sort of not really anything that I would worry about so much as a general in the general public. So what happened is that the, the way they calculated the efficacy used certain data that the monitoring board thought was outdated. And if they recalculated it, the efficacy would fall somewhere probably into the, into the high 60s, low 70s. And it's very irregular that this type of thing happened. It's also very irregular for the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease to release something after midnight. And it's it's something I think that's going to be sorted out. I think this is a, a safe and efficacious vaccine. But what's going to happen is people keep remembering all these black marks against AstraZeneca. For example, the European countries suspending the use, the blood clots, all of that. And they forget everything else about how the vaccine comes out on top. And that's going to increase vaccine hesitancy. And I think that's the big problem because this is the vaccine for the world. This is a vaccine that is being used to great success in the United Kingdom. And I think it is a good vaccine and, and they just continue to get in their own way. Yeah, I mean, Fauci said that the press release from um, AstraZeneca was an unforced error that may create doubt about what is likely a very good vaccine. This vaccine hesitancy, it feels like it is kind of valid in the sense of why are certain things being withheld? This information in this kind of way of all this information coming out just doesn't seem like it's on point. So what are we supposed to do about this now? Because what's done is done and there is going to be hesitancy, especially when reading and seeing everything kind of play out. Well, what will end up happening is eventually AstraZeneca is going to correct this issue. They'll sort it out with the data board, they say, within 48 hours. And eventually this is going to be something that gets submitted to the FDA for emergency use approval. 
and it likely will eventually pass muster. But what I worry about is that people may not want to take it because of all of this. So we're going to have yeah. a lot of detailing to do to the general public to try and reassure them. And AstraZeneca didn't really help their case by the way they this has all happened. And you know, this is a vaccine the U.S. has just donated to Canada and Mexico. This is an important vaccine, an important addition to our menu of vaccines, part of Operation Warp Speed. So we want it to be successful. It's just all of this 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 kind of litany of, of bad press is going to take its toll uh, on the vaccine. Yeah, there's already skepticism and trust issues. So this doesn't help. So when you're on that side of this business, what do you do? What strategy happens? I think what they're going to have to do is get opinion leaders, people like Dr. Fauci, to talk to the general public about this vaccine and go through the data and show why it, it is a safe and efficacious vaccine. We also have the ability to point to what's going on in the United Kingdom, where this vaccine is really being instrumental in, in defeating the pandemic there. And hopefully that will get people to want to uh, to use this vaccine. It may not come in the United States to a point where we, we have to use it because we have three other vaccines, the production of which is going to be increasing as we get into later in the spring and into summer. But definitely for the world, this is a this is a major vaccine. So we have to get this right. We have to talk to people about this because it will be key to containing the pandemic all around the globe. Well, thank you again for all your insights. That was Dr. Amesh Adalja, who focuses on infectious diseases. I hope to have you back again soon. Now coming up on the show, why the queer community is calling out the word wife and our own Michaela Gordon from the Morning Beat joins us for that right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So many in the queer community are going back and forth on using the term wife. Is it outdated? Is it time to just throw it out? Well, joining us right now, this is very special, actually. We've got Michaela Gordon, host from The Morning Beat on Channel Q, joining us to dive in, give us her critical thinking on this matter. You mean our resident lesbian? <laughs> sure. Yes, honey! <laughs> say it! Don't say it! <laughs> Michaela, it's so great to have you. But let's get into this. Okay. Okay. So, is it a step backwards using the word wife? What do you think? Oh, no. Leave it alone. I Here's the thing. I, I love that we find an issue with literally everything. But the problem is, look, Lisa doesn't want to be called a wife necessarily. My partner of six years. She's into being called a partner. Her pronouns are she, her. She's not non-binary. But she, like, never thought her dream was going to be, like, being a wife one day. I, on the other hand, was so excited to be somebody's wife, uh, another woman's wife. My pronouns are she and her. And I'm proud to be a wife. And honestly, I feel like I push back on tradition of husband and wife by sticking with wife. Like, mm, if you want to be called partner, then you be called partner. I don't want to be called partner. I want to be called wife. And my pronouns, the way that I choose to use my pronouns, fit like that and also it's like a pushback to tradition anyway yeah I, I, what do you mean by that because it does feel like kind of calling yourself wife or whatever is still playing into that heteronormative like patriarchy system which can be like why are we doing that as queer people but i i do love that you're saying you say it and you you like that because that you're kind of protesting in a way it's really interesting 
Well, yeah, look, I mean, to be honest, I feel like we just are constantly finding things to, like, cancel and rule out. And while I think that so many of those are valid, how is it any kind of patriarchy when it's my me and my other partner who's a female who would still initially be my wife, whether she does choose partner or whether somebody else chooses to be wife and wife. Those are the names that they've given themselves. And for me, I grew up in a lesbian household also. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't see wife as like some housewife cooking. I saw a wife as like a boss bitch making her money and doing her thing and making it all happen for herself. So I think it's also what we're putting behind the, the name wife. Yeah, I mean, I think it's we can reclaim it. And just because many look at it as something traditional that has these burdens, like, you know, yeah, you're taking care of the kids, you're staying at home, you're making the food. That wasn't necessarily everyone's experience with a partnership, although that was something that was like typical way back. I, I think it's okay, one, if you want that. Good on you if you want yeah. that. And if you want to look at yourself as a wife in whatever modern definition that is, that is fine, too. Yeah, I just think that people should be able to call it what they want to. And, you know, for a long time, we couldn't get married. For a long time, we didn't even get to share the experience of being husband and husband, wife and wife. And I feel like that's really empowering to me to be able to reclaim it in that way now that we can even legally get married. Why, why do you think this is such a big conversation in the queer community right now? Is it? NBC I News reported about it. And and also, there's a lot of uh, historians talking about it, human rights campaigns talking about it. I mean, girl, I, 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 maybe because it was looked at, the word wife, as like a little homemaker. And it was somebody that like stayed home and couldn't really like live in her power. And that's how the word wife was used. And maybe they're trying to continue empowering women. But, you know, I've had this fight with a lot of different feminists and a lot of different lesbian women. Like, I, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, I did a gig one time where a lot of the women were, like, hardcore feminist lesbians that did not shave their legs, did not color their hair, and they did not like me whipping my my weave up and down that stage singing, honey. They were like, that is everything we fought against. But for me... I want to shave my legs, not for some man. I just enjoy, like, I like to have smooth legs. It's no deeper than that for me, you know? So it's, I don't know if I'm the right lesbian to talk to, but I. <laughs> There's no right lesbian. You I do. It, if you were, but you know what I'm saying? And yeah, it's like, I, I actually, feel like. I can, actually, I completely agree with you in the sense of like, this idea of us even reclaiming the word queer. Queer was a, like honestly a, a slur to this community for so long, and I think yeah, you couldn't even say it respectfully. Yeah. So now we're going to yeah. give a different meaning to it. Well, then give a different meaning to the usage of wife and let us use that. I mean, I, both things can live. All right, you heard it here first. Our resident lesbian says she wants the wife word. Thank you so much, Michaela Gordon. I said I wanted to shave my legs. I, that's what I said. <laughs> that too. She's got smooth legs, if you're wondering. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you. You can check out Michaela Gordon, AJ Gibson on The Morning Beat. Morning's here on Channel Q. All I know is I can't wait to be the flower girl at Lisa and Michaela's wedding. Oh, my God. It's going to. And you know what's so fun? It's only going to be me and you and Lisa at the wedding (laughs) because everything else is canceled. So it's just going to be us, wife, wife, and Ryan. It's like literally Madonna with her black kids. I'll be there. (laughs) What about me? 
Oh my god. I'll let you guys experience yeah, it. It's can, fine. Yeah, you can come too. You can FaceTime we'll can officiate. Oh. Oh. Th- no, that's a bad oh, idea. Don't yeah. do no. Crystals and everything. All right, Michaela, we gotta go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Love you. Okay. Let Love us know what you think on social media at LGT Show. Are you into the word wife or should we ditch it? Coming up on the show, why everyone is mad at Krispy Kreme's free donut offer. It's true what Michaela said. Everyone's mad at everything these days. That's next. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Early yesterday morning, Krispy Kreme announced that it would be giving away one free OG donut to anyone who shows their Vax card inside their stores or through the drive through window. Not just like one day or one week, through the end of the year. So you could basically, if you've been vaccinated, you can collect 283 free daily donuts between now and the end of the year. Wait, I could go back every time? Yeah. I've already been vaccinated, so I can go once and then... Every I'm- day. And then I get, uh, oh, so I get a donut every single day just because I've been vaccinated. Uh Uh-huh. Really? I thought it was just once. You show your vaccination card, you get one. And maybe you do your second vaccination and you get another one, but that's it. Like, that would run them out of a business. Uh, that many donuts? I mean, if everyone did go, yeah, maybe. We should just do it as an experiment. Could we get Krispy Kreme out of business by doing this? I would like some Krispy Kremes. I love, that's the, those are the best donuts. Well, so... This brought up a lot of things for people. One, when they announced it on their Facebook posts, a lot of the anti-vaxxers came out of the woodwork like, oh, you're trying to indoctrinate American citizens. If we're good and follow along, we get presents and we can get all kinds of free stuff if we go along with getting microchip too. Is that how it's going to work? Someone else said, I didn't know you were discriminating against people who feel it's their body, their choice to not get a rushed experimental shot from the government. That's like saying if you are straight, you get a free donut. Yeah, people are stupid. <laughs> I mean. Like, literally, it's like if it's not one thing, it's the other. And it, it's just really, really sad. I mean, let me enjoy. I done sat in the house the entire year of 2020 and still sitting in the house at this point, And I can't even enjoy a Krispy Kreme donuts without people, you know, throwing it in my face. And like, then the other side of it vaccinated, was. Don't get vaccinated, you anti-vaxxers. Well, so listen to this one. Other people were saying, oh, that's great you're encouraging people to get vaccinated but you're also encouraging diabetes like i said people are stupid vanessa was not into that producer vanessa was like leave it alone let me eat my donut actually producer vanessa looked like she had no clue you were going to throw her into this conversation (laughs) she said it during the break (laughs) and it's true maybe it's not so healthy to eat a crispy cream donut every day uh screw you Are you kidding me? But take advantage. I say eat a donut if you want to eat a donut. Of course, I'm just saying, check check your sugar levels. You check your sugar level. You are you like them. You worried about everybody else except. Oh wait a second. The right. I think what we should do is get a donut. Enjoy one for yourself. How about you give them away to people that need food? Y'all, can someone please replace Shira at this point? I think it's done. I think I, I this is the hill I'm willing to die on to boot Shira. Krispy Kreme donuts. It's Krispy Kreme. <laughs> the hill of donuts. Well, I'm not going anywhere because uh, coming up next, and by the way, let us know what you think uh, at LGT Show. She's like a bug you can't get rid of. <laughs> a Nigerian influencer had a hunger strike for LGBTQ rights. More on that next on What's Trending This Hour. Now that's intense. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
Welcome back again. This is Let's Go There on Channel Q. We're here for you 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern weekdays with the music and the news and everything. Uh, the everything. Yep. Is, was Up that, to was your that imagination. A accent? You know, if you haven't realized, Shira's from Canada. Yep. Montreal. Exactly. Great city. I've we need to get been. you there. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I'm excited because coming up on the show, <laughs> so right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. What to we say gotta, about. we gotta start going to improv class so we can do the yes and. Oh, I yes and you plenty. <laughs> <laughs> coming up, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have someone who's the first queer Israeli to be on the cover of an Arabian magazine. Joining us to tell his story, he also has a reality series on the app Reverie, which is like the queer Netflix. So he's joining us in 30 minutes on the show to talk about that, breaking boundaries and intersections within his culture. That's going to be an interesting conversation. And speaking of that, how should the media be covering anti-trans bills? We've got Glad joining us for that later this hour as well. (gasps) Oh my God. Are you going to tell the people what happened during the break? Like, you found out you were low-key, like, almost getting scammed in your email? Oh, I thought I went to get some soup. <laughs> no. You know no, what? I know. Like, no, no, no. Yes, and. So, no, I, I, I did. Someone used my email and was doing weird things. Okay, that's the story. Let's move on because we have some news. Senator Cory Booker shared his thoughts on gun control in the Senate today, a day after a white man killed 10 people at a Boulder, Colorado supermarket. Uh, here are those powerful words. It trashes our strength in our economy because every gunshot wound in America costs us hundreds of thousands of dollars. But that's nothing compared to what it's doing to our nation's soul. Love Cory Booker. So powerful. And really, I'm kind of, it's becoming Groundhog's Day at this point with what's happening in the Senate around this issue. Oh, I thought you meant by the use of words powerful. Oh, that's, yeah. I got to expand. It's like, take a shot every time someone says powerful. That's true. It uh, resonates. <laughs> now, uh, oh, I'm going to move on. Coming up in the next hour, I want to talk about this Nigerian influencer who's really working hard. He's a YouTuber to, um, to push for LGBTQ rights in Nigeria. So stick around for that in the next hour on Let's Go There. But what's happening in the world of entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, okay, so we talked about Prince Harry earlier, mm-hmm. but the story was just too good not to cover. I, I'm telling you. And I, I kind of teased it a little bit earlier, too, because did Meghan Markle and Prince Harry lie about the secret wedding they said that they had before their actual wedding? It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have confessed that the secret wedding the Duchess of Sussex described in her bombshell interview with Oprah Winfrey did not happen. Now, if you don't remember what I'm talking about here, here is the moment. You know, three days before our wedding, we got married. Called the Archbishop and we just said, look, this thing, this spectacle is for the world but we want our union between us. 
Okay, so hmm. girl, here's the tea. Yeah. A spokesperson had to put out a statement for the Royals, and they basically told uh, a publication that the couple exchanged personal vows a few days before their official slash legal wedding on May 19th. Now, people, when they heard that and they found this out, they're saying, oh, well, she's lying. She's lying. She's lying. It, it feels like they were playing. They It was like the, the, the bait that they needed to play into this negative narrative that they want to have when it comes to Meghan Markle. Um, but guess what? Yeah, that still is kind of a wedding because they just did it in a more private way and they were just they were just kind of exchanging their personal vows. And so, yeah, of course, Megan's going to feel like, yeah, we did something private and it was like a wedding and we got married on our own way. Um, since such a service does not constitute you know, a formal wedding, the royal pair secret union was not legitimate until they got married like three days later. What's the difference? Like, just yeah, say, they did their own thing, and then they had the big public thing. Well, the big public thing was actually legal. Like, it was a legal thing. Right? Oh, that so they was, acted like that was just the show. Yeah, well, they said, well, that's what she said. She said, like, everything else, like, that wedding was just for show, for the public. But we wanted to do something private. We got married three days before, and people were like, well, did you really get married? And mm. yeah, she kind of did. But yeah, oh, of course, yeah. it wasn't legal. But, you know, people it's are enough. Yeah. It's enough to feel right. That's what I'm saying. I just think whatever you want to do with your partner and, and the presence of your backyard and in your home, is it should be whatever it is. People just trying to find loopholes and say that she's lying. It's more that are you surprised for what you signed up for? A lot of people I, and like are calling that out, including those in the Who UK. Who wouldn't be surprised? I would totally be surprised. I'm just saying. But we got to go. More tea report coming up next hour. Uh, And coming up next, how should the media cover anti-trans bills and more? The folks who are doing it right and those that are being called out, that's next. Glad's Media Report card called out major outlets like CNN, New York Times, and Newsweek for their coverage on the LGBTQ plus community and issues. And joining us to share why is Glad president and CEO, Sarah Kate Ellis. It's an honor to have you back. My favorite person ever. I adore being on this show. Thank you for having me back. And thank you for reporting on all of this important information for our community. Yeah, of course. And first, let's get into what the media report card is and why it's important. So this actually came out of our news and rapid response team. And it it happened overnight. We saw the media reports coming out of the congressional hearings on the Equality Act. And what they saw was that none of there was so few LGBTQ voices actually in the news coverage and that actually Marjorie Taylor Greene was getting more coverage around the Equality Act than the people that it was affecting, than our community. And so overnight, literally, our top news and rapid response person went through and evaluated all of the top um, news organizations and and did this report card because she wanted to make sure that they were being held accountable. Um, and so because we have, you know, we do this for a living is hold people accountable. It wasn't that hard of a stretch for us. But if you look at the report card, what you see is that there were not a lot of passes here, um, but there was a lot of a lot of news outlets, both print, journalism, digital, and um, television failed. They failed in their coverage, and the number one reason that they were failing or they they failed was because they didn't have LGBTQ voices in these articles. 
and they would have anti-trans voices in these articles, and then they would never have a trans person to re, uh, to retort that that um, whatever the anti-trans person said. Do you think newsrooms are still kind of in that perspective of just being clickbaity instead of actually pushing forth the right, you know, news that everyone needs to know and the voices that we need to hear? Are, are they still moving in that clickbaity world? I think there's a bit of the clickbaitiness going on. I think it's actually resources, <laughs> to be frank with you. In, in today's media world, especially in newsrooms, they're reporting on what comes in the door. So whatever they get, they don't have the time. You know, back in the day when you put forth an article or a story, you would have hours and hours of researchers fact-checking it and making sure that everything was accurate and making sure that your sources were credible. And because news moves so rapidly today, there isn't the same amount of time and scrutiny put against it. So they report what they get oftentimes. And then, of course, there is, you know, talking about the Marjorie Taylor Greene element is very clickbaity because she caused the whole scene um, in being anti-trans. Yeah. And now when uh, when these outlets see Glad comes out with this, which is not a good look on them, are they getting back to you and saying, like, well, help us? Or, like, what happens next? Yeah, so they are, actually. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll just I want to preface this, too, with the fact that we did put out a journalist primer on the Equality Act so that when they were reporting on it, they had a, a reputable source uh, that then within that source also has people to talk to in our community that have suffered because there is no Equality Act or who it's impacted or different angles for the stories to cover. Um, so that is why we felt very um, comfortable holding them accountable. But yes, they do reach out and they want to do the right thing. Um, and I think a lot of it, again, is resources and just knowing and being educated and knowing where, where the information is. So we are working with a number of them now to, to help them have more to their story and go more in depth on their story. Well, thank you again for being with us and for everything that you do. Glad President and CEO Sarah Kate Ellis, you are welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, speaking of the media, the first queer Israeli to be on the cover of an Arabic magazine will be joining us right after this. We're going to be talking about the impact this will have. That's next. So our next guest, we were actually on the second season of his reality show, Putting On. Right, Ryan? Uh-huh. I actually, I really need to catch up on the show. I need to see us because, you know, I avoid when I'm on shows like that, I avoid it. What do you mean? You I avoid it because I don't like watching myself again. It's kind of nerve wracking. I understand that. I understand uh, that. But it was a pretty cool experience. Yes. But right now we have entrepreneur, model, influencer, on Mikael joining us. Welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Hi. Oh, my God. I miss you guys. Miss you, superstar. Look at you. I mean, quarantine has been good for you, honey. Yeah, thank God. It was amazing. <laughs> so we really wanted to have you on to talk about this huge move, this uh, huge announcement. You're the first queer Israeli to be on the cover of an Arabic magazine. Tell us more details. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's kind of like so huge for me. 
personally and also like yes as a gay man as an israeli man i'm the first uh israel like just signed a peace agreement with saudi arabia and right after there that my team i kind of uh been in contact with this fashion magazine with official and then uh we land the discover and then uh on the shoot basically when we shoot it i just heard that i'm also like the first gay man to be on arabic cover in the history so it was like wow. such a such an excitement big deal um, yeah, what is what yeah. do you think this means for the kind of like the future of just, you know, it feels like it's kind of like you're opening up a door in some way, right? It, it really does um, say so much about the future of even the queer community. I mean, that's, that's my goal in honestly everything I do with the reality show, with Discover, with everything. Like, I'm trying, like, I hope that this will open doors for all of us, like the whole community to to be everywhere and even in countries that it's illegal i believe but maybe they're opening up more and open their minds and eyes i don't know so i hope so yeah um yeah but because in israel it's it's okay i mean it's legal it's open to be obviously to be queer i know they have the best pride in tel aviv by the way we gotta check oh that my God, out the best one <laughs> uh, but, and you're saying in saudi arabia it's still very much not accepted so how did this happen and what has been the response um i can't really tell you how did it happen and how my team actually made it happen but i believe that some some countries in like part of the the this Saudi Arabia area like they're starting to more open up um, and some areas are, are it's 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 legal some areas still not so I believe it just it's in the process um, and I feel like my cover will make some change because they really put it out there and they talked about my show and the interview there so like they they talked about my life as a gay man. And yeah. I think that this will make some change. At least that's what I hope. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about season three of Putting On. Um, how amazing. <laughs> what can we expect for this next season? Wow. Um, so, uh, first of all, you'll see a lot of under models, like always. Because, um, yeah, on, <laughs> on, on, you need to tell people about a bit uh, about what you do, because you make underwear. You have an underwear line. Mo underwear. Yeah, yeah. So, my, my job, like my daily job is I'm an underwear company owner, and that's what I do. Um, besides all this, like modeling and acting and all the fun stuff uh, around it. But, yeah, I have an underwear company, and this show is following my life, uh, if, if they didn't know. Um, but yeah, season three is following my swim lunch, all the feedings, so many like meetings and stress and obviously, obviously quarantine and how frustrated, frustrated it is to, to work with factories overseas and, and also my relationship and personal life. Like I just been through immigration life process to get my green card and I filmed everything because I think it's important to show, uh, my path and what I do cause, cause there's so many people like me. Um, that's struggling with with all these little things in life. Um, also, my marriage, my marriage. I just got married in season yeah. two, so Woo! you can see more in depth uh, about my life. And hopefully, I can celebrate my big wedding after quarantine now is over. I'm still. Uh, I told you last season I'm gonna do like so many weddings, and I just had one so far because of COVID. So 
Oh, you're gonna have more um, weddings. Okay. Is, well, as long as we get an invite, <laughs> I mean, party, the party. Yeah, I, I want the. I got. I'm getting. I already got my first vaccination. Shears we're about to hopefully get her soon. So we will be there in attendance at our first little big Thank party with oh celebration. With I would you. love that. Uh, on that would be amazing. On Mikael, you are great, and congratulations on everything. And thank you for sharing your story because, yeah, hopefully it will inspire others. And you look very good in this uh, this magazine oh, cover. Brian. Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> thank you. And uh, everyone, you so check out season three, putting on on Reverie, Reverie.tv. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Love you. Love, Love you. Now, coming up on the show, the gross thing this guy found in his cereal, and now everyone is sharing about the weird stuff they found in their food. We will, too. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Social media blew up today when Jensen Karp, who's actually a, a comedian host, the husband of Boy Meets World actress Danielle Fischel, Fischel? who played Topanga in uh, the 1990s sitcom. You can say Topanga, but you can't say Fischel. <laughs> you know. So he posted these pictures saying, um... Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and he had the box of the cereal in the picture. But in front of it, or in next to some of the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, he goes, Why are there shrimp tails in my cereal? This is not a bit. Well, people freaked out because, of course, all of us have probably found random stuff in our food. I don't know. We all have stories to share, and people did share their stories on social media. But how gross is this to find this in your cereal? What would you do, Ryan? I don't know, like die? Wow, very dramatic. <laughs> I mean, I genuinely feel that way. Imagine finding shrimp. What what happened to the shrimp? Did someone eat the shrimp tails? Because they look like cooked shrimp tails. So that means someone ate that shrimp that was attached to that shrimp tail. And then they put it in the box. How is the Cinnamon Toast Crunch factory? Is it near an ocean? Is it near where people go sh- Oh. <laughs> Shopping for fish? What are we doing here? It's a mystery. That's for sure. An X-File mystery. Well, (laughs) he also tagged Cinnamon Toast Crunch's official Twitter account, posting the image. In a follow-up message, he looped in General Mills, the producer of the breakfast cereal. What what is he going to do? Wait. (laughs) What? What is he going to do? Okay, what did he say? They wrote back, we're sorry to see what you found. Okay. We, we would like to report this to our quality team and replace the box. Could you please send us a DM to collect more details? Thanks. How casual is that? Oh, this is just crickets. You know, I, fa- I found out how to use the little machine, and it's been like the best thing ever. Sometimes <laughs> it works, it. and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so supposedly, uh, you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch did inform Jensen once they investigated that the image he posted showed not shrimp tails, but an accumulation of the cinnamon sugar that sometimes can occur when ingredients aren't thoroughly blended. We assure you there's no possibility of cross-contamination with shrimp. But there's still there's shrimp tails in it. I mean, it looks like shrimp tails. And How we gotta, we gotta do you say, look at that? This guy used to work for K-Rock, right? He did the morning show. He did the morning show. And so it's just like, he seems like a reliable source. And you know what? That's true. And she, he, he brought in his famous wife 
saying she's really disappointed in General Mills' statement and hope to see more concern rather than just tell me it was actually sugar, not shrimp tails. I wonder if there were pa- parent shamers in the comments being like, well, you shouldn't have bought Cinnamon Toast Crunch anyway. Sugary cereal. <laughs> Does your kids have diabetes? I bet you they're saying that. Hey, an adult can like cereal too, just saying. Oh, I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's the best. But now I got to second guess if I'm going to have like, I don't know, flounder from the Little Mermaid inside of the box. Oh, that's sad. Well, what's the craziest thing you found in your food at LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Coming up next, the Colorado Baker is back at it. Sued over refusing to service a transgender woman. For real? Yeah, that's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour on the show, how to deal with the trauma of the mass shootings happening right now and deal with any anger that's coming up. We tend to avoid anger or repress it, but we have a clinical psychologist joining us to talk to us about how to deal with it in a healthy way. All right. Very important. Key facts. Yes. Plus, Michaela Gordon from The Morning Beat on Channel Q joins us to discuss why the queer community is debating using the word wife. Is it outdated? Well, we're going to be uh, debating that in 30 minutes. Would you use the word wife with uh, when you, d- when you finally weird, get married? Think about it. I like partner. You like partner? Yeah. Queen. I think I'm going to use the word wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to, you want to be called wife? No. I would never use the word wife. <laughs> I think partner is the way to go. I like partner, but our queen. My queen. My goddess. Girl, you ain't getting married no time soon. <laughs> Watch me. Watch. <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour because this guy, this Jack Phillips, the Colorado baker, you know, he was sued for refusing to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. This is back in 2018. It went all the way to the Supreme Court where he won a partial victory. Well, he's found himself in another lawsuit. This time he refused to bake a birthday cake for a transgender woman woman because of religious beliefs. I mean, this is why these things, the Supreme Court or a court needs to have these people take accountability or else they're going to just do it again. The behavior continues. To be honest, this um, may be a little problematic, but why even go? Like, why put yourself, if you like, knew. if you knew that that yeah, person I mean, was like, you know who this person is, you know of this bakery, I'm pretty sure you can probably look up the bakery, like, Yelp it, <laughs> yeah. and find out, like, oh, this is, like, some mess, so, like, why would you even put yourself into that space? And I think, yeah, that person should be allowed to go wherever the hell they want to go to spend their money, but then also, why? Why put yourself through that? So and did I don't they? Know. Yeah, and the question is, did they know, or does it even matter? Or did this person maybe want to bring it to court again? Or maybe this person should start yelping the businesses that they attend. Maybe Jack Phillips is deleting all those comments, but I don't think he is because he's pretty proud of this. Actually, yeah, exactly. I just don't know how do you get yourself one. Screw Jack Phillips. We already know that. I don't think that really has to be said. Like the fact that he's doing this, this is just who he is. Stop going to places where yeah. they are problematic and stop mm-hmm. trying to spend your money there. Take your business somewhere else. There's plenty of other cakes. And and if the court's not going to fight this, we all can by not giving this person business. Yeah. Right? But now it's making its way to the court in Colorado. It might get back, go back to the Supreme Court. And this is where it could get interesting, where 
It actually, because the ruling in 2018 found that he did discriminate against the gay couple, but they threw it back to Colorado, it was kind of like a, um, they both won, right? So he partially won. But if it is punted back and with now the new judges, we know it's leaning on the conservative side, it could have far-reaching consequences for the LGBTQ plus community. They could actually rule that he's in the right. And that's why this is actually really scary that this is happening, even though it's good that he's being called out. So we'll be following this as the case continues. And finally, this is an early Yaz Queen. After three days, a YouTuber, LGBTQ activist in Nigeria, uh, one of the most anti-LGBTQ countries, has ended a hunger strike he started and swore to keep until the country's ban on same-sex marriage is repealed. I give credit to this YouTuber, Emmanuel, who runs this YouTube channel, because he's doing something really great where he lives, where it's not supported. Uh, He ended it and he's now going to be continuing his advocacy and um, doing it at the National Assembly in Nigeria. You could follow him on social media. Look up uh, Victor Emmanuel and he does everything on his YouTube channel and Twitter. It's really amazing stuff. So that does it for our What's Trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so I guess there um, is some drama in the Jeopardy world. In 2021, the celebrity guest judge on Jeopardy was called a slap in the face to all involved by a former contestant of the show. Honey, strap in. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So the recent announcement that, I guess, celebrity MD Dr. Oz would be taking over the fact-based game show this week has got fans questioning whether Jeopardy! producers have lost their way. So, um, yeah, fans and even former contestants are pissed. They wrote an open letter published on Medium.com last month where a group of them urged the show to rethink the decision, alleging that casting the... I quote, dubious doc in the role would celebrate the, and I quote, the elevation of talking heads at the expense of academic rigor and uh, consensus. I mean, did they have to get a thesaurus to write that sentence? Yeah, I can barely keep up with that sentence. (laughs) The essay also cites a number of instances in which Dr. Oz, who began his career as a guest medical expert on The Oprah Winfrey Show, was publicly decried for his unresearched and potentially um, dangerous claims. Uh, Fans have since taken to social media to echo all of the letter that was published and citing a 2014 study that found half of all of Dr. Oz's medical advice to be baseless and wrong. So, yeah, I had no clue Dr. Oz was even in the running to be a guest host. He he still is actually um, uh, guest hosting right now, um, which is kind of crazy because if the fans aren't watching, then what is uh, Jeopardy going to do? Because it's not like, you know, they're getting all the ratings. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there's so many great hosts out there and people that would be really good at this. Yeah, it's surprising they chose Dr. Oz. Like, he's the top of the list. When you think of Jeopardy and Alex (laughs) Trebek, you know, us losing him, you think of the top 10 hosts. Does Dr. Oz really come up? Well, I thought Katie uh, Couric was doing a pretty good job, but I I guess not. Maybe she's busy doing whatever else. Um, We're still waiting for LeVar Burton. Yeah, I know you're really sold on the Reading Rainbow guy. 
Just saying. I think it's I think it's great. He would be a perfect, perfect match. But uh, let us know your thoughts. You know, I covered a lot of tea today on the show. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to find out any of the stories that I covered. Uh, tomorrow's C-Report is going to include about, um, you know, that Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt stuff yeah. and how it, she came out saying that she had proof of the um, domestic violence that was happening. Well, he's responded. Oh. Not good. So okay. you got to stick around tomorrow to find out. I'm just saying. All right. You're welcome. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. A new shampoo commercial from Pantene is focusing on a young trans girl and her two moms. It definitely brought up the tears. It's a very touching ad, and it opens up with her mom, Ashley, helping Sawyer brush her long, flowing hair. Here's here's a moment of that. She is our uh, spunky and creative kiddo. Sawyer also happens to be a transgender girl. I remember the first time she was out in the community wearing the clothing she wanted in her hair and she kind of was herself and that was the first day where I saw her. She has always been super gender creative and hair has been a big part of her transition. So yeah, beautiful, well done from Pantene. It's exactly what we have to be seeing. Yeah, and I'm actually, I love this commercial, but I'm actually really uh, excited about our other Yes Queen that we have. Well, let's move on to that right now. Sesame Workshop. Of course, the educational nonprofit behind the children's TV show Sesame Street is making it easier to talk about race and racism with kids. Today, they debuted ABCs of Racial Literacy. Oh, so cute. Yeah, ABCs. New resources to help families tackle these topics and, quote, celebrate their unique identities. It's an initiative that's part of Sesame Workshop's ongoing commitment to racial justice. Uh, coming together, which also started after the police killing of George Floyd last May and the summer of protests against racial injustice. And as we all know, uh, children as young as three months old prefer faces from certain racial groups and nine month olds rely on race to categorize faces. And that's according to research from the American Psychological Association. So it's important that uh, they have these resources and tools so that they can educate themselves and we can all be treating each other better. Yeah, both of these yes queens are really uh, a moment that we should be thinking about, right? Like, don't shy away from anything that could be difficult. I think it's so important for Sesame Workshop to be doing this, for Pantene to be showing this. Like, this is beautiful. This is what progressive and progression looks like. Yeah, and when you talk about inclusion and diversity, it's it's the hires, it's uh, what you're creating and how you're doing it and really thinking about the future as we continue to move forward. And so Yaz Queen, again, to Sesame Street, Sesame Workshop, and Pantene. Yes, Queen. Work. And that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here on Channel Q. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about why the pandemic offered a very unique chance for many people to come out as queer. Uh, Plus, the debate over D.C. statehood continues, and we're going to look at where it could land. And a reminder, if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Bye, y'all.